Good afternoon and welcome everybody into another edition of the Devoted Steelers Podcast. I am the D, as in Dimitri George, joined alongside my co-host. As always, he is the V, Vince Paparella. And Vince, let's jump right into it. Vince, our good friend Thelonious uh, from Cleveland, of all places, uh, has reached out to us again. And we, and we are here to discuss uh, some topics that he has uh, asked us mm-hmm. to kind of go over. And, you know, obviously, you know, we, we enjoy the... Um, uh, the questions. We enjoy the dialogue between us and said Cleveland Browns nation. Um, interesting, and interestingly enough, um, but he has uh, once again asked us to go through a couple questions before we uh, hopefully get into our 2020 NFL season, um, which so far the numbers, testing, and uh, virus load like management, I guess however you want to call it, has been encouraging. So we're hoping that that continues. Um, but again, you know, we're here uh, about what a month, a little less than a month away from a little less, yeah, a little less than a month away from the Steelers' first game. Uh, but definitely, I think we're in, you know, right around uh, just about, you know, I don't know, three weeks until the opening game, um, give or take. At least the tenth, right? The tenth, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, give or take around three, three and a half weeks away. It's coming up quick. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, there is a lot that uh, can happen between now and then, but here we are, and we're going to stay with the positive mindset that we're going to have a, uh, a full season. Everyone's going to stay healthy, and um, you know we're we're looking forward to it. But again, uh, Vince, I'll turn it over to you to kind of start us off here with some of the questions that Thelonious has uh, given us, um, so that we can get right into it. Okay, so question number one: Twenty twenty has been an off season like no other. What did this look like for the greater Allegheny region? And how do you think the Steelers are responding to the new normal? Um, <clears throat> so first, in the, you know, as far as the greater Allegheny region, I can only speak from my neck of the woods, which is Columbus, Ohio, which is arguably closer to uh, Cleveland than it is Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Ohio has been kind of dealing with this virus, obviously, since everybody else since mid-March. Uh, we went through our protocols of kind of the shutdown, and then we've slowly gotten back to normal. And I would say that, you know, things that people would have adjusted certainly pretty well in Columbus, you know, you see face masks everywhere, but um, things getting back to normal and, you know, schools right now are the big debate uh, locally. So we're kind of getting back in the swing of things. And then as far as the Steelers go, you know, I really, you know, I, Dimitri and I have a very high opinion of Mike Tomlin and I don't think there's somebody, you know, or very few coaches better than Mike Tomlin when it comes to an adversity like this situation. Tomlin just knows how to handle these things. Um, you know, he has dealt with adversity before, you know, with the whole transition of, you know, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and, you know, two seasons ago. And this is kind of another thing that he can just will handle. And so far, everything that I've seen from the Steelers organization, from the coaching staff to the players has been very professional. Uh, they've had a few players that they initially put on uh, the COVID IR, such as James Washington and Jalen Samuels, but they have since come off and they are beginning their first padded practice on Monday, I believe. So things are looking good from that point of view. Ben, you actually make um, – and real quick, uh, you know, you said, you know, mentioned about me in Ohio. Well, I'm in cuckoo land down here in Florida um, <laughs> uh, where, you know, it seems like there's no, there's no, there's no virus uh, to be known in Florida. But I'm here to tell you that I'm taking the proper precautions. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the three Florida teams handle it, uh, especially Miami, right? They're, they've really got oh, yeah. hit hard down there. Um, I haven't really paid much attention to what their current – COVID situation is with players, staff, anything like that. But um, it'll be interesting to say, see how that develops. But specifically on the Steelers and, and, and following what I know, uh, as I was mentioning, you made a really good point about Mike Tomlin. I mean, yes, uh, he is not a virus. He's not Dr. Fauci. He's not a, he's not a doctor. He's not a, a, a member of the CDC or anything like that. So he, from a standpoint of him knowing what type what we're dealing with in reality, it, that that's not his strength. But to your point, handling adversity, handling um, a curveball thrown at you, um, I, I just to your like I, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not sure there's too many coaches out there that can adjust and adapt on the fly like Mike Tomlin and get his team prepared to play um, in the midst of a pandemic. Um, couldn't agree with you more. I think that's an excellent point by you. Um, and I think that's key. I think we're, we're, when you talk about the 2020 season, continuity and, and, and familiarity with each other, with staff, players is going to be key, especially early on in the season when there's going to be – there's no preseason. 
everyone's coming in after not playing football for the better part of eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have the ability to lean on pr- prior experiences with maybe a, a teammate or a coach. And um, yes, yeah, nothing similar to what this is, what happened this, you know, what's happening right now, but at the same time, being able to um, uh, have that continuity with your staff, your players, your organization as a whole, I think is key for this year. And I think when you look at the Steelers, like you mentioned, I think as we sit here today on uh, August 14th, they don't have any uh, players on the COVID list at this time. Um, And as you mentioned, first private practice on Monday. And that's kind of where we're we're really going to start seeing. I think that's going to be a turning point. I think that's the first turning point is when the pads go on and we're actually getting real live football uh, in terms of practice environment. And then again, when week one rolls around and we go through that first, you know, 16 games on, between Thursday, mm-hmm. Sunday, and Monday, seeing what happens from a virus standpoint, um, I think that's going to be really a, a tell for the rest of the season. But as we sit here today, I think the Steelers have done a great job. They have a, their the Steelers' uh, official uh, app and Twitter feed, and I'm sure all the other platforms have uh, got a, a little series going on, and they've kind of documented, especially in that first episode, um, kind of the, the changes that they've made to obviously their facility. Now it's everything's at Heinz Field for this year with training camp and keeping everything socially distanced and kind of how they're going about, uh, you know, making sure that they're following all the proper protocols. And to your point, as I said, there's definitely not a better coach that I would, I would want uh, handling this situation for my team, as well as, you know, the Steelers organization as a whole um, and across the league, let's just be fair. I feel as though uh, has really taken this initial training camp setting uh, environment uh, very seriously, uh, as you can as you can tell with the it's below one percent of a positivity rate. So that's great news. It's encouraging. I think it's better yeah. than most expected. So the fingers are crossed that it continues. But definitely from the Steelers' perspective, I think that they're doing a great job, just like pretty much everyone else is in the in the NFL. Um, second question we have here, Vince: Do you believe the AFC North is the best division in the NFL? And how do you rate the QBs? How likely is a Steeler resurgence? So, when you look at the AFC North, Vince, right, you have the Baltimore Ravens, who are heavily Super Bowl favorites, oh. uh, coming off, what, a 14-2 and season? Um, and 0-2 in the playoffs. Oh, oh Vince, already oh. throwing jabs. Have, yeah. It's not – the season hasn't even – season – I mean, really – Yes, training camp started, but there's no preseason games. But we we should be discussing some preseason games as we sit here today, right now. But oh, uh, they would have played tonight. They would have played tonight. Exactly. The uh, Buccaneers too. Like, right, they they were playing your boy Tampa Bay. Oh uh, my gosh. Right. Um. So you look at the Ravens, right? They're obviously heavily favored to go to the Super Bowl, win the division, the whole nine. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals drafted Joe Burrow number one. Um, it's Zach Taylor's second year as the head man in Cincinnati. Um. Still kind of in the rebuilding process. Cleveland, uh, the revolving door from GM to head coach and all that. Um, but it's a lot quieter, which I'm sure um, after last year's offseason hype train, um, you, you'd imagine that having a little bit of uh, just focus on football and not what everyone's saying and how good you can be, I think is uh, – I think they're probably um, – uh, they'll say, you know, they're, they're, they're appreciative of that. And I think that that might get them back to, well, I shouldn't get, they get back to, cause they haven't won anything, but that should get them straight in the right direction. I'll um, say it's amazing how much time you have when you're not filming 20 progressive commercials. Right. Right. Shout out Baker Mayfield. Um, and then obviously the Steelers, as we, uh, as you and I discussed on the, on the regular, um, everything depends on, depends on the health of Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Um, if he's healthy and all the early signs are encouraging um, from the videos that the Steelers posted that he has posted the interviews, everything sounds encouraging, which is great. Uh, The reality is we just won't be able to answer this until really that first game uh, of the regular season and and seeing actually where he has in a live in a stadium and live action. Um, But to answer the question, um, I'd probably, I'll, I'll, I'll do this question a little bit out of order. I'd okay. probably put, um, I'd probably put I'd put Lamar one, Ben two, Baker three, Joe Burrow four. I know you're probably going to disagree with me on that. 
I, you're not a fan of Lamar. You're not, you're not, you're not the, the, the. No, tell you, me what division, what, if you think AFC North is the best division, then I'll offer my rebuttal. Okay. Um, I will say that. It's close because I, there's two other divisions that I look at. Um, I like the NFC West. Yeah, yeah. And I like the NFC South. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. So where would you at, just rank them? Rank them. Right, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go South, NFC West, AFC North. Those are my top three. Okay. The only reason I say the AFC North is is third on that list is because of the fact that you have a, a rebuilding team in Cincinnati um, that, you know, I don't feel like if you're a Cincinnati fan, you walked away from last year's season with head coach Zach Taylor and saying, man, I think we got the really the right guy. And I'm not saying he, he might not be – he might – I'm not saying he's definitely not the right guy. But I don't feel like you walked away from that thing. I, you know, we saw gradual progression um, in, in, in key areas. I mean, yes, they battled injuries and so forth. And um, I, I, I'm just, I, I just don't know what to make of Zach Taylor as a head coach. That's just my personal opinion. Sure. Uh, then when you look at the Cleveland Browns, yes, the talent is still there. It's all on paper. Um, Kevin Stefanski is going to come back and get them doing what they do best, and that's run the football with their two-headed monster with – Nick yep. Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off of the offensive line. That is still garbage, um, but they've made upgrades. Let's not be let let me not be. Uh, you said garbage. I mean, I know. Yeah, let, let, let me let me retract that. They made the offseason moves. They uh, drafted a tackle in the first round, uh, as well as signing a tackle in free agency. Um, to me, this is the year that I think if the Browns don't, the Browns and Baker Mayfield don't specifically don't make. A playoff push, I think they need to reevaluate the quarterback position. This is going to be th- the third year uh, for Baker Mayfield. This would be, what, his fourth head coach, if you count Greg Williams, the interim tag. Which, um, I don't, yeah, I don't blame him for necessarily. That's more of a hindrance. No, I, I agree. But I just feel like th- there is no reason why that team, definitely on paper, um, shouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, so, I'll, and then you look at Baltimore. I mean, top to bottom, a loaded roster. Um, I think their defense is a little bit overrated. Um, I like their defensive coordinator. Um, I don't think Marcus Peters is as good as many people think. Um, Take chances. I was not – I don't think Earl Thomas played his best season. Uh, he's garbage. I'll say he's garbage. He's garbage. Okay. He's Derrick Henry's fullback. Go ahead. Oh, jeez. Vince is fired up. Um, and Go ahead. You know, the linebackers still concern me. I know they drafted the kid out of LSU in the first round, but with no preseason um, and no really offseason for him, you know, you, you, it, it, it's, it's reasonable to expect a little bit of a stunted growth or uh, uh, a slower growth for him. Um, and, yes, the defensive line, they've added, you know, Calais Campbell, who is a monster. Um, I, 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 it's a good defense. I just think it's – I don't think it's amongst the – top three or four defenses in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, we know what he's going to do. The reality is, and he, and the thing is, he's going to continue to get better when it comes to throwing the football. Obviously, Maybe. the key to him is, uh, you know, making sure that he's doing the right, making the right choices when he does run the football to keep himself healthy. Um, to this point, he's done that. Um, so there, there's no doubt. I mean, we say what you want about them. Uh, you know, they're, they're a really good football team, and they're going to be really good again. And then the Steelers, like I said, um, the only big loss on defense, if you look at it, would be Javon Hargrave. Um, and obviously, Mark Barron is no longer there, but I, I would consider um, Hargrave to be a bigger loss than, than Mark. But defense should be top three defenses, if not the best defense in the league. Um, yes, it's going to be hard to replicate the amount of turnovers they got last year, but a lot of – it's a young nucleus on that defense. Um and it's reasonable to expect them to get better. Um, then you look at the offense, right? I told you it's about Ben. Ben, can he stay healthy? Can he handle uh, the wear and tear of a 16-game season um, with that elbow? It's a, you know, it's essentially he, had, he said he had three ligaments uh, retached. Not uh, good. To his... What was that? Yeah, it's not good. I, you know, after 
talk, my mom is a radiologist or works as such, and she said that you know it's worse than Tommy John surgery, honestly, because you're having to reattach something that's new. I mean, Tommy John just putting something in there and hoping that it you know heals with the surrounding bones. So it, it honestly. It, yeah, honestly, it made me scared when I read more scared when I read the report. Like, I swear to God, anytime somebody goes near his elbow, I'm gonna be having a, a mini panic attack. So, yeah, no, and like I said, he is the biggest the biggest thing for the Steelers on offense. I expect a big jump um, from some of the skill position guys. I'm excited about um, the possibility of what they can do with the running backs, um, and obviously the addition of Eric Ebron, um, who I wasn't a big fan of. I just I just feel like there's He'll, he'll make a spectacular catch and then drop an easy one over the middle. Probably. Um, On but, third and eight. Right. So, but, yeah. the, but, but the prospect of him in Vance, I think, you know, is really intriguing um, and kind of what they can do. And there's a lot of hype about Matt Canada and what he's going to bring in terms of. Very excited uh, about that. But about, you know, the, the motions and, and misdirection and so forth. Excited to see that. But again, it all relies on that elbow of Ben. If he can stay healthy uh, and perform uh, like he did in 2018 I think the Steelers the sky is the limit for them but they'll they'll be they'll be fine r- flying under the radar uh, heading into the season yeah all right do I believe the NA- AFC North excuse me is the best division in the NFL no I do not um, the NFC West is definitely the best division in the NFL you had the so 49 yeah for, well you said the south right did I? No, I think I said the West and the South. Okay. I think the West is better than the South. You got the Niners won the Super Bowl last year. Then the year before that, you had the Los Angeles Rams. All right. Seattle can go to the Super Bowl anytime. You know, and the Cardinals are are not a bottom feeder. They're going to win probably seven or seven games this year, I would say. I think that's what I was looking at so far. It's a very good division, top to bottom. Um, but, you know, the AFC North, yes, it's, it's around second to third best. The problem is with the AFC North is that especially the last couple of years, like you look back in Pittsburgh 2017 and Baltimore last year, like they have these great regular season records and they get this by and then they just kind of fall flat in the playoffs. And so it's, you know, you don't see AFC North teams getting the Super Bowl um, really since 2010 for the Steelers. So, I mean, it's been a while since they've had a lot of postseason success. Um, how do you rate the QBs? So a while back I did a QB ranking um, for the entire league. And, you know, my three top quarterbacks were Wilson, uh, Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. Right, that was my, that's my top tier. Like, you can, right. you know, Mahomes is the best, but you can, you know, throw the rest of those three names around anywhere else. And then my next tier down, I have uh, Lamar Jackson and Ben Osper. I think that's fair, you know, it's based off what I've seen Ben do over, you know, 16 years or, you know, more like 15 years. Um, and Lamar has been fantastic over the last two seasons. Um, and I'm sure he will continue to develop in ways. But I'm not ready to say, you know, boom, he's just head and shoulders above. If you're having a discussion with me, if you put Lamar Jackson on top of uh, Patrick Mahomes, you're crazy. And you, whatever you're taking, you need to get off of it. Okay? Just my, my personal opinion. Um, and then how likely is the Steelers resurgence? Listen, last year, week 15, or week 14, the Steelers go to Arizona with Duck Hodges and beat the Arizona Cardinals, and they're 85. All right? If they do not score 10 straight points in each of those final three games, playing the Jets, Ravens, and Bills, not in that order, they go to the playoffs with Duck Hodges. They go to the playoffs with Duck Hodges. Yes, I repeated that. All right? Ben is not going to be worse than Duck Hodges. I don't even care if he's maybe three-fourths of what he was, you know, three years ago. He's going to be – this. Offense is going to score much more points. Is the defense going to be as good as it was last year? No. Is it going to have as many turnovers? Probably not. All right, but this defense is very elite. It's the best defense in the AFC North. Um, they're going to be in every game they play, and it's going to be a matter of Ben making plays. As you said earlier, it's going to come down to Ben on the offense. What I really like about the AFC North, though, in general, is the running games. I love the running game in Cleveland with Hunt and uh, – Oh my goodness, Chubb. Chubb, excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and then I love Joe Mixon, Cincinnati. I think he's underrated, uh, besides his personal history. And then in Baltimore, you have a quarterback that can run like the Dickens, though he definitely is a quarterback, not a running back. No disrespect there. You have uh, Mark Ingram, and then the guy out of OSU. Like they're gonna be running that football, you know. And you got you know Hollywood Brown, supposedly you know play with a broken ankle or whatever, or messed up ankle or whatever. 
And then in the Steelers, you know, it's kind of sad to say, but the Steelers are the worst, in my opinion, running back room, you know, with Connor. But they could easily, like Benny Snell could take a step, Connor could be healthy again. And then if, you know, a guy like Anthony McFarlane pops, you could have a very good running game. So I'm very excited to see um, the running backs. I know you asked me to write the QBs. Baker Mayfield is on the third um, quarterback tier for me. And then uh, I can't say anything about Joe Burrow. I loved him at LSU. I hope he doesn't do well. Obviously in the NFL, but I, I can't tell you about a guy that uh, I haven't seen anything in the NFL. So obviously he will be last. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You can't really judge a quarterback that hasn't played it down in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Ben is aging, unfortunately, uh, but this offense has some very good pieces. How can how good can Deontay Johnson be? What are some of the under the radar offensive contributions or contributors? that we might not know about in Cleveland. So I'm glad that you talked about Deontay Johnson. I'm very, very high on Deontay Johnson. I will make the argument right now that he could be a top 20 wide receiver by the end of this year. I think he is very, 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 very good. Not saying top 10, not even saying top 15. But he could be a very, very good weapon. I mean, he's AB-like, and, you know, obviously, I think he led the league in uh, separation last year. Yeah, that was something that Antonio Brown was very good at. Uh, I'm not saying that he is Antonio Brown, but he has a lot of uh, Antonio Brown skills. And that, in turn, with the emergence of James Washington, is going to take some pressure off of Juju Smith-Schuster. Dimitri already pointed out um, how excited this NFL or how excited this team is uh, for the combo of Ebron and McDonald. So I'm very excited to see that. You know, I don't feel like McDonald's kind of been healthy this whole time. Um, I, I know Ebron had a very good year two years ago in Indianapolis, so I'm hoping that we can get some of those flashes. Outside of that, from what I've people are kind of high on Claypool, and I know they weren't when they drafted him. Um, but, you know, the Steelers have a very, very, very good track record of drafting wide receivers. And each year when they draft a wide receiver, I know two years ago, I remember texting the region and be like, who the heck is this Deontay Johnson guy? You know, out of Toledo, he's playing in the Mac. Um, but he turns out, you know, he turned out to be, you know, really good and led the team in receptions last year with very, you know, questionable QB play. Claypool could be the same thing, and he's playing with Ben Osborne. Uh Outside of that, you guys should pay attention to Anthony McFarlane. He has a chance to return some kickoffs on special teams. And uh, you could see him as a mix-up option, or as not a mix-up option, but a uh, off-speed uh, option for the offense, you know, maybe once Connor, you know, has a few carries and Benny Snow gets a few carries, I can see him getting in there. And he has the ability to take it to the house. So the main two people I would point to are uh, Claypool and McFarland, both rookies. Yeah, I to answer the first part, right? I think that um, when you look at Deontay Johnson, I think that right now he might not be listed at it. I think listed as it, I think he's the number one option on the Steelers in the wide receiver receiver position. Um, The thing with Deontay is he came into the league with the ability to separate. He knows how to um, get open and and not just in college open. I'm talking about NFL open. He can – um, there's several instances. I mean, he had a, a, a pretty decent night against Tredavious White, um, yep. who's one of the better corners in the league. Um, and that's just one example. His ability to get open and create separation with his route running ability, and then when he gets the ball in his hands, his ability to make people miss. He's a dynamic player, and he's only going to get better, especially with Ben Roethlisberger at the quarterback position. I mean, he was he was he had a led the league in receptions as a rookie with Duck and Mason. Yep. Right. So just imagine what a full 16 games uh, with Ben could do. Um, and again, you know, the offense was so putrid. You know, we underestimate the value of Ben that Ben has pre-snap and making sure that they're in the right play and making sure that they're calling the right protections and so on and so forth. That that that, that alone can also help provide a spark not only for Deontay but for the offense. So I think – he right now is the number one off, number one option on the Steelers, and I feel as though he could finish as a top ten receiver in the in the league after this year. Um, higher than me, yeah. Um, when you look at the under the radar, I'm going to piss Yinzer Yinzer Nation off right now. 
Oh, and I'm going to go with Ryan Switzer. Now, some people might say that <laughs> I'm going to say that Ryan. Some people are going to say, "Well, how does he does he even really make the roster?" Well, here's yes. the thing: he lives at Ben's house. Right. Uh, yeah. Listen, when not you're good sure. and good with a quarterback, um, like him or not, uh, you you, you got you're going to have some staying power because of who the you know who you're good buddies with, and especially if it's sure. Ben, right? Um, you look at, I don't know if you've seen, Switzer looks like he's in great shape. He looks like he's bulked up. Um, and let's be honest, I mean, that first game against New England last year, yes, it was a debacle, uh, but Switzer was heavily involved in the game plan. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Ben obviously got hurt that he kind of fell off the face of the earth um, and they had to scrap everything that they had planned for him without Ben. Um, I think Switzer, now I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be a 70, 80 catch guy by any means, but I no, definitely 35. Think, right. I definitely yeah. think he's going to be an intricate part of the offense. And, uh, you know, he might still be on. I don't, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if he completely relinquished his punt return duties to Deontay Johnson. Um, I don't know if the Steelers, you know, there, there was always the talk back in the day with AB returning punts that they didn't want to keep putting him out there and expose him to injury. I don't know if we're there at that point yet with Deontay, but um, I am. When you look at Switzer, I think, like I said, from the slot position, from the kickoff returns, potentially, um, I think there's an opportunity for him to have a real spark uh, on this offense. And again, not nothing, uh, you know, from a, uh, you know, not going to be electrifying, lighten up scoreboards, but he's going to be the guy that you say, you know, you might you might go back to a game and you say there's a couple there's a couple third down catches that he made that really turn the tide of the game, and I think. Sure. That enough is an under the radar con- uh, contributor for the Steelers' offense. Um, I, I listen. If any Steelers fans are listening to this, they're going to they're screaming it. at my head. Yeah. Um, I want to add. You know, we didn't talk anything about Juju. All right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is not a slight on Juju or anything, um, because he has the chance. You know, this is going to be his fourth season already. He has a chance with the pressure taken off of him to be very close to what he was when AB was there. I mean, when we, you know, going into last year, like he was, the pressure was on him. He was the guy, and you know, he did not have a bad game against New England. New England secondary is also very good, um, and he was, you know, in the first half of the Seahawks game, you can say what you want about it, but I mean, nobody's throwing in the ball, and Juju is a guy that's better after the catch than without the ball in his hands. And Deontay Johnson is just the opposite. He's, you know, he's he is fantastic without the ball, and he's you know, he's okay once you get the ball in his hands. So, I mean, I don't want to say, like, you know, he's not going to be there. I mean, he's still going to be, you know, he's the number two guy on this offense, and he's still going to get a lot of looks. And, honestly, it's it's better. You know, if, if, if they start lining up the number one corner on Deontay Johnson, then that's a win for the Steelers because you got a guy in Juju that can get open against whoever your number two is. So, I just want to add that in there. No, and I think that's a good point. Um, I think – it's reasonable to expect a, a bounce-back year, especially in a contract year. There's some uncertainty now, especially with the expected um, decline of the salary cap. It seems as though it potentially could be, uh, you know, Juju's last year at the Steelers, which is a good segue into this next question. TJ Watt has some money coming his way. How much will oh, this mama. organization pony up to retain his services? Can this defense continue its dominance? Its dominance? Its dominant ways? Oh, mama. These Steelers will not, and I repeat, not in their in their uh, next ten to fifteen years. However long this man plays, they will not let him play for anybody else other than the nope. Steelers. I won't let it happen. Um, I don't know what the price. Uh, who was the guy that just got signed? Um, Bosa. Bosa and Garrett got signed. I mean, these are all those contracts. Um, you know, T.J. Watt probably mm. should have been the defensive player of the year last year. Mm. Um, I don't know what the – there's I, Mike Tomlin probably go to his house and say, here, I'm going to just give you a check, and you write what your number on it, and we'll just sign yeah. it now. I got a problem. Um, we'll start a GoFundMe. Let's go. Yeah, I, I don't I don't foresee – I don't know what the numbers are going to be. I'm not a cap guru or a contract guru, but it's going to be substantial. Now, again, the Steelers are not big on giving big guarantees to non-quarterback players. They do, I think, big signing bonuses. Um, because you can spread that out over the course of the contract. But um, best believe it's going to be – I don't know, Vince. I, I don't know what the number is going to be. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be uh, over $100 million, I think. It's going to be a lot of money. 
Um, and then the answer to the second part, yes, I think this, the Steelers' defense is primed to be uh, a dominant defense, you know, and, and granted, uh, a dominant defense in, in 2020 football and this new, you know, wide-open offensive era, um, that's, it's going to be dominant, I think, from, that stand, from a standpoint of, you know, as dominant as you can be with all the rules geared towards the offense. Um, there's no reason for them to go backwards. I feel like they can only go forward only. And I know they had a great year last year. However, there's so many young pieces that are just going to continually get better and playing. And once, and defense is a, is a, is big on communication and playing the, together. That's why those sure. early 2000 Steelers defenses were so good. They played together so long. I mean, they had a run from 2004 to 2010, even 2011. Um, yeah. They had some, they still were, you know, a top defense. Um, and it's because when you play with the same guys uh, for so long, you just know what each other, how each other thinks, what you've seen so many different scenarios and been in so many different situations that you know how each year you're going to react and it just makes it, makes it easier. So um, again, I, I think they're going to continue to go uh, North uh, in their progression. And I feel as though they're going to be a dominant defense in 2020 and for the uh, years to come. This is a subject that I have to make sure I'm sitting down when I start talking about <laughs> TJ Watts. Watts. Yeah. Because whoever you is is going to be put through hell. All right. For 50, 60 plays, however many plays you have in a run, because he's coming. All right. He is coming every play. He's coming every down. He's got a motor that is one of the things I look for in defense that I have not quite seen in a, a, a lot of other players. Um, he's got it. Whatever that is. And so with that being said, I don't care how much money uh you know they, they want to put up. Obviously, I, I feel like the Steelers always have to pay somebody. Like they gotta pay, you know, they gotta pay Ben, they gotta pay wide receiver, they gotta pay uh, safety, cornerback. It's it's the downside of drafting well and I mean in all seriousness. And you know, they don't kinda let those players go and they pride themselves off of drafting well. So TJ Watt's gonna get a number, you know, similar. Um, you know, he's in a little different position. Uh you know, Garrett and Bosa play outside defensive line and, and, you know, he's an outside linebacker. I don't know if you want to consider that, you know, a different price range uh, or what have you. Um, and then look at the defense itself. You know, the biggest loss obviously comes from Javon Hargrave and I wish him all the best in uh, Philadelphia. But you also have a guy like Stefan Tuitt, who before he got injured last year was wrecking the interior offensive linemen of opposing teams. I mean, there, there are, a few times where he just flashed in the pan, man. He is in the backfield like that. Okay, don't don't get up to get a glass of water because he's going to be in the backfield. Him with Cam Hayward, and I know he's also working through a contract issue and uh, Bud Dupree. The front four for the Steelers is just coming at you. Um, so I, you know, outside of that, they're not going to uh, the fortuitous bounces that they got. Like especially like if I look back at the San Francisco game, like they were just forcing fumbles and like there was a guy. Like, or they were, you know, batting balls and there was a guy to pick it up. Like, I mean, the turnover rate was just insane. But this defense has a chance to lock people down. And Lamar Jackson, you know, the MVP, arguably had his worst game against the Steelers in week four. You know, he had three interceptions um, and only scored, like, you know, 21 points, really. The key was uh, the, I think they had the, the Steelers held their, their offense under four yards of play. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know what the exact number was, but it was something pretty remarkable. And, you know, so – and, of course, the, the second the second time they played Baltimore was in Week 17, and I think they kind of knew what their chances were at that point. And that was a different team that was playing uh, Baltimore in Week 4. So, I, you know, throughout that entire second half, you know, especially the, of the season, that defense won them a lot of games, and especially the player named T.J. Watt. So, um, I'm very excited to see how the defense goes. I think the communication would be even better. Everything I'm reading about uh, – Minka Fitzpatrick is, you know, I, I keep getting more and more excited. I think we are absolutely just luckier than heck to have drafted for that first uh, drafted for that man. So I'm really excited for this defense. Okay. Uh, question five. What are the chances that the 2020 season finishes as scheduled? If you were a player, would you opt in or out? Can you imagine games in this division without fans? Golly. You know, after watching the NBA and watching the NHL, you know, I like how they kind of done things. And I'm, I think the, you know, depending on what stadium, you, the team will do similar things. I really want to hear the crowd noise. Um, 
you know, Indianapolis has been pumping crowd noise in for a year. So I don't think there should be anything new for them. Um, and Atlanta, you know, in particular. So if we kind of ask those teams, we should get some pointers on how to do that. Um, if I was a player, you know, <laughs> I've not played professional, you know, any football in my life besides backyard football. I mean, I would love the chance to play anything, uh, remotely like that. So I would have a hard time opting out. Um, you know, I, I really love the game, but I'm five foot nine and 160 pounds. So that's not, um, you know, <laughs> Julian Edelman comes to mind and he's, you know, all juiced up. So that's not my comparison. Um, <laughs> and finally, what are the chances that 2020 schedule finishes as, or season finishes as scheduled? I think it's high. Um, Dimitri and I were talking about this off air, but there has to be some schedule flexibility uh, with the NFL because there, there has a very high likelihood of, you know, this getting into one team and then not having to play that week. Well, how are you going to reschedule that game? You know, if the team they're playing happens to have the same bye week, well, then you lucked out. I feel like the NFL should, like, put in just two bye weeks here and there and, you know, increase the number of, you know, chances that a team could reschedule a game possibly. Um, you know, and I know there's expanded practice squads, and, you know, if you isolate players at a certain time, you can still play a game. But that's like, you know, can you imagine if Patrick Mahomes he you know, has to sit out for two weeks, you know, just as an example. That would be detrimental to Chiefs, and I know that they have a very good team around it, but still. Uh, so I think that it, it's going to finish. The, the, the season will finish as scheduled. There's going to be some uh, – I would hold my breath on that. So I feel as though that if I were a player that – Again, I'm going out of order. Don't judge me. If I were a player, I'd probably opt in. Um, I feel as though being asked to just follow some protocols, and 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 really, this is this is not just a football player, just a general he, a person living in 2020. I think it's just being smart and not being an idiot. Um, because again, if you don't really care about yourself to the point where you're just going to risk it, you should be caring about the people that you care about. You should be thinking about the people you care about, uh, especially when you have uh, maybe some relatives or some grandparents that aren't that do have compromised immune systems. So simple things of socially distancing, washing your hands, all those kind of things, wearing mm-hmm. a mask. I think those are all simple tasks that we all can accommodate to. And I don't think it's, uh, it's that hard to, to, to follow. So I'd probably opt in knowing because, again, um, I'd be I'd be responsible enough to, to handle my business. Um, I do feel as though right now, right, we talked about it, testing percentages right now are below 1% for positive rates, um, yeah. for the positivity rate. So if that obviously continues, 1,000% the schedule is going to – I think they'll, they'll finish their season. It sounds as though – and everywhere you turn, every time someone asks someone high up in the NFL, they say the same thing. We fully intend on having a complete season. And I know some people have already said, well – what does that entail? Because a complete season or a full season or whatever, I forget the exact word, but essentially they indicate, you know, that they're like, you know, that could mean that maybe they move some games around like you were mentioning, or maybe they shorten the season, they play 12. I don't know. They, they intend on playing a full season where there's a, they crown a Super Bowl champion at the end of it. Now, I actually believe that they're going to do whatever they can to get the full 16 games in um, somehow, some way. And if that means – Pushing the season back to an extra two weeks, I don't think they would do that if we sit here today because of the low positivity rate. Whatever yeah. the case is, I feel as though they're going to try to do their best to get the 16 games in. Um, I do feel confident about it as we sit here today. Again, and that's just me being the, the glass half full, positive, optimistic person that I am. And then lastly, I, I actually – I don't know what it's going to be like to – watch these games and not just the division games, just watching the games with no fans and how it's really going to impact my viewing. I, I don't even know. Cause sometimes I, I, I don't even really get involved in the crowd noise. Really. That only really applies. I know, especially for you, Vince, when you're at the game, but for me, I'm locked in on the game. And sometimes I don't even like to listen to the commentary. I can commentate my damn self. Um, I'll put on you. I don't even want to hear it. Right. So I, I, I it's, it'll be nice to, I don't know. It, I, it's going to be different. Uh, but I don't think it's going to change my experience. I'm still going to enjoy and sit my sit my butt down on the couch on a Sunday and watch you know eight hours of football um, on Thursdays, Sundays, and, and Mondays. I, I don't think it's going to um, impact that for me in any way. 
Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it, it did cross my mind the other day. Like, what's the game experience going to be like? You know, seeing especially at Heinz Field, it's like you can tell I hate it. Like when they come out for the second half, you see some of the yellow seats, and like it's just such in your face. I'm like, dang, like get you know, you get 12 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is, go take a pee and come back. Like, bro, you know, getting food that ain't that important. You know, I need you in the stands. You know, I'm a big, big like. If you're here, you better be yelling. You better be screaming. Else, why you home? Go home, take a nap. You know, I mean, either be here or don't. So, and, you know, I talk to my dad about this all the time. Like, he's like, would you go to a game right now? I said, if I if he asked me to sign a waiver, I would say yes. Just what, But I have that luxury of being 27 and saying, you know, I think if I get this, I could survive. You know, but if my dad is, you know, over 50, he has to think about it. So, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, I think those and, – and it's interesting. I'm interested to see how the NFL handles this, and we can kind of transition to this into our uh, kind of parting final thoughts. It'll be interesting to see what the NFL does. I feel as though they've been consistent with they're letting local, state, city guidelines and, and protocols determine whether or not teams can have fans in the stands. There's, I think there's like four or five teams that have flat out come out and said – they're not going to have fans in the stands. I think the Texans just came out and said they're not going to have fans for this first week, but whether or not they'll be allowed to have fans later in the season, depending on where we're at with the pandemic. So yeah. that's to me, that doesn't sound like from a competitive balance standpoint, I don't think that's something that can stick. It'd be interesting to see if the NFL just comes out and says, we're just not, we're doing away with all fans um, all together. Regardless of where we're at, we're just going to scrap this year. Um, now, again, I, I, I don't, the playoffs might be a different story, and Super Bowl certainly might be a different story. Um, I mean, that'll, that do that see that when in terms of the Super Bowl, that'll be different for me for watching it with no fans. Um, I mean, and February is a long way right, away. Right, yeah. right. Um, and so, from that standpoint, that's something that I'm going to keep an eye on is because you know Steelers have come out and um, said that they you know are working just to have a limited capacity of fans, and like I said, many other organizations have kind of echoed that same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but again, I think we're, we're still, this thing changes daily, weekly, hourly. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen three weeks from now, as I mentioned from the first, from, you know, for the first game of the season. So still a lot to be, um, done. Um, but I, I fully expect the season to get started on time. Um, and like I said, I think that's the, that's going to be the barometer. I mean, obviously getting in the, in the pads on Monday, um, it's huge. But I think going through that first week, that first Thursday, Sunday, Monday schedule yes. is going to be huge. Um, yeah. And potentially Friday, uh, Saturdays with college football, two of the power big five um, deciding not to play. I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see what happens in that from that standpoint as well. And see if the NFL tries to sneak in some games on Saturdays, which they do usually at the end of the year. Um mm-hmm. But I, I feel like the, the NFL is going to do everything they can to get that full 16-game season. I think they're going to start on time. But I think if they go through that week one and there's not a crazy outbreak that knocks out a team, knocks out multiple teams or, 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 or whatever, I think they're just going to roll with it. And I think they're just going to continue to implement these protocols and, again, adjust their protocols as the years goes on. We know that they, they're disciplining players if they don't follow it. Um, so I, I like I said, from this standpoint, as we say today, I feel they're gonna. I feel as though they're gonna start on time, and they're they're gonna go from there and see what happens after week one and see what happens in terms of uh, the spread of the virus after having going through a full slate of games in that first week. Yeah, they have to take it very seriously. All players do. Um, I think you know, like I said, I think it's gonna barrel on through. I mean, there's a lot of money <laughs> the NFL has, especially now that the a lot of the owners will be, you know, losing out on that seat revenue. You know, people sitting down and watching these games at home makes a lot of money for these guys. Um, and they obviously, you know, don't want to trap, you know, have any bigger loss than they've had so far. The thing that bothers me is, you know, Jerry Jones was very adamant about having fans in the stands. And, you know, so if Pittsburgh doesn't and, and Dallas does, well, then it's going to be an entirely different experience, like, because Pittsburgh has to go to Dallas this year. You know, it's like, you, you know, you've been playing everywhere else. It's been you know, kind of relatively quiet. And, you know, they pump in occasional uh, crowd noise. It's like, oh, you know, hey, everybody's surrounded us. It'll be actually it'll be quite, you know, weird possibly for them. And that's an advantage for Dallas, or I guess you could say it is that way. And it's interesting. I didn't know the Houston um, 
So they weren't going to have fans, at least for week one. And, you know, states like Arizona and Florida and Texas are certainly have had a different approach to this stuff than, uh, uh, you know, California and New York and Illinois and other states like that. So it should be interesting. But, you know, my fingers are crossed. And once again, you know, the next two weeks are very, very crucial. Once we start getting better practices and, you know, I know a lot of the players, especially on the Steelers defense, for example, are wearing uh, visors. Um, and I know there was a prototype uh, that came out for like uh, that have like some kind of mask over the face mask um, for the helmet. They were having trouble breathing. Yeah, but like that seemed pretty restrictive. And you know, you are you know. It wouldn't shock it. me to see some of these guys wear some kind of mask. To be honest with you. No, no, and you know they'll come out with some type of whatever the players are comfortable with. I mean, you know, you can wear it underneath. And but, I'm again, I'm not a doctor, Vincent, and 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 I'm not saying I know everything about this virus from what how it works or whatever. And I don't think many people know. I think that's the reality. I think that's the problem. I think no one really knows what the what the hell to do. But I, to my understanding, you know, there's some you know players piling on top of each other and stuff like that. If they're able to develop something, right? If players do wear masks or um, something, right? I, I, and there's there's a they're they're limiting the ability to be you know swap and spit, if you will, on each other. It's yeah. not like you're going to be, you know, especially early in the season when it's hotter, um, you know, down here in Florida or, 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 or you know, wherever, and in the warmer it's, states. It's hot everywhere. Right. But it's not like you're, if you're if, it, if there's a fumble and you got 10 guys on top of each other, just because they're rubbing arms that have sweat on it, that, that's, not, that's not transmitting the virus. No. no so, it's, it's just being face-to-face, excuse me, uh, contact. You know, or not face-to-face contact, but in proximity with other people. And, you know, there's nothing over your mouth. And if you do have it and you're spreading it and it's, and, you know, everybody's breathing it in, the next, you know, it's, it's how it gets transmitted very, very quickly. I mean, look what just happened in those Georgia schools. You know, it's like 900 people are in quarantine. Well, that happens because people are, you know, breathing the same stuff. It also helps that majority of the NFL arenas are outside, you know, and so you can you can truly distance yourself for somebody in the stands or somebody, you know, within a stadium. You know, now in a dome, maybe that's a little bit different, but like, you know, the flow of air is definitely better in an outdoor stadium. So it's really, you know, only, you know, obviously, once again, it's <laughs> football is so unfair to defensive and offensive linemen. You know, it's like who has the most CTE possibilities? The Lions. You know, who's in close contact with each other? The offensive and defensive line. Right. So it just, it disproportionately affects them. But, uh, uh, you know, besides those things, I mean, what? A cornerback, you know, is around a, a wide receiver occasionally, and you know, a linebacker is rushing the pass. Everybody else is kind of running around. You know, if I'm in the secondary, I certainly don't feel as bad about it. Or even if I'm the quarterback, you know, or you know, running back. So no, and like I, said, I, I do, and I, like you know, people are concerned with huddles and, and doing huddles and stuff like that. You know, maybe we'll see more hand signals or more um, a different way to, to you know relay the play to all the other players, whatever. So um, no huddle. Right, you know, you know, Ben loves the no huddle. Um, I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks love the no huddle. Um, the reality is, I think there's a way to do this. Uh, or I should say this: I think there's, a, I think there's a way that they can do this, um, do it safely. Um, I, I do think they can pull it off. And yes, I am, a, I'm a football fan. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm a sports fan. Um, I do, I'm, you know, I do want them to be safe. Um, I think the NFL, you know, yes, they probably could have just left the opt-out uh, deadline and, and you know, left it open longer or, or maybe even throughout the, the season if a player just feels uncomfortable. But I feel as though a lot of these players, they go into the facility, they see that the, that the NFL is taking this seriously and the teams are, and I think that there's a way to do this. I think there's a way that they can get through this season. Yes, they're going to have cases. Um, you know, when you look at the virus itself, I, again, I, I fortunately haven't had it. Um, but I don't know. We and the thing is, we don't. Just only the only concern is we don't know what long term effects we have are caused by this virus. Actually, you know, I just read that uh, an Orlando Magic player, Mo Bamba, left the Orlando bubble because uh, he wanted to get him. He wanted to get checked out. He had COVID back in June, and he wanted to see what are, what are, what are any potentially long term effects of the virus. And that was yeah. kind of a vague statement. Um, but that'll be interesting to see what happens with that in terms of maybe getting some more clarity on, you know, some of us talk about heart conditions and so forth. You know, the reality is, and again, there's been unfortunately so many deaths 
that you can't really just brush by them as if they don't matter because they do matter. But the reality is a lot of, a lot of these athletes um, that have had it sometimes have no, you know, no symptoms, asymptomatic, or they, it's really not that big of a deal for them in terms of the actual sickness. And, and, and they're usually fine in, you know, the 10 to 14 days, whatever that they're quarantining and they're back out there. Um, And again, we're, hopefully closer to the end of this thing than we are to the beginning and we're closer to vaccinations being approved and all that. So there's a lot of variables that are happening uh, as we're going through this. And, you know, it might be November, December, and all of a sudden we have a vaccine that is proven and that changed the whole game in terms of heading to the playoffs. And so there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to, a lot of unknowns at this point, but I think, like I said, I think they'll start the season on time with the hope that they're going to just be able to go right through. I agree. Um, My fingers are crossed. So, Vince, again, and, and we want to obviously thank Thelonious again. Uh, it's such a such a uh, an honor to be able to just share thoughts. And, yes, we're, we're growing. We're small, but we're growing slowly but surely. Um, we love to just talk football, and we were open, even if Browns fans, Ravens fans, Bengals fans, uh, doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. You want to like to engage in some discussion and, and give us, you know, want to have give us have us give you us uh give you our opinions we're more than happy to do so it's uh it's definitely much appreciated um and i know vince and i really enjoyed doing this um but vince i don't know if you have any other final thoughts uh before we close out today's uh show no you know anybody that's listening you know be safe and uh we hope to be talking some and discussing some real games soon we'll help we're invited back on that's going to do it again for another edition of the Devoted Steelers podcast. I am your host, Dimitri George, as always, joined as always by my colleague, Vince Paparella. And thank you again to Thelonious for sending out uh, the questions for us to kind of answer for you. Uh, hope your listeners enjoy this as well. Uh, we enjoy doing it for you. Um, and we hope to continue the, uh, uh, the relationship moving forward and down the road. And uh, to all the Cleveland Brown fans, uh, to the dismay events, we hope you guys are well and staying safe. Um, but uh, hopefully, like Vince said, we'll be back here circling back in a couple of weeks talking some real football. So, again, for, uh, for Vince, I'm Dimitri. Thank you so much for listening, and take care.